Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is God's Word. Well, we are beginning today, um, we're moving from the Gospel of John, which we have been in, on the signs of John. We're moving to same author, but the letters of John. John's, we're going to do first, second, and third John, um, which no one ever, second and third John, like they're in there. We know they're in there, but we're going to, they'll all be incorporated. We won't do a separate series that they're, they're one of one piece. And so it's going to be a little bit of an odd, Series. I'm just going to tell you the letters. Here's just to give you a sense. When I uh, when I map out, here's a little behind the scenes. Pull back the curtain. When I'm mapping out a sermon, this is called the linear lily pad. And it's a little tool I use. Big idea, main idea to main idea. How am I going to get there? And when I start, that's how I map it out. John's like this. There's kind of one idea, and he goes all around it. You can't use, it's not linear thinking, it's circular thinking. Oh my, this is going to be painful for me. I'm going to do the best I can, but if you're a linear thinker moving from, you want to go to Paul or Peter, just so you know. Don't do the letters of John, because there are only a couple of big ideas. There's a lot of individual verses that are really memorable, and we'll get to, And and but this is not the kind of letter or epistle that uh, you know I'm I'm wired to do, which is why... My commitment is to preach through the whole scripture. I've been doing this now for 17 years. This is why it's 17 years later I'm doing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I think we're down to Song of Solomon, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Like, we're getting there, guys, but it's, you you know, I won't say it's like, not dregs, because every book of scripture is scripture, but like, Philippians we did a long time ago, just so you know. All right? So, um, when I was... 22, a really, really, really long time ago, I was uh, working, and I was on Braddock Road in Fairfax County, uh, back long before there were bypass roads or anything like that, and I was sitting in a traffic light uh, relatively early on a rainy morning, work, had my suit on back when you wore suits to work, and uh, I was a second car in line to come off of, I think it was Guinea Road, to come out uh, onto Braddock. And uh, the right light turned green, the first car pulled out, and I went into the intersection, and a car came the other direction through the light, and I, it was sort of in my peripheral vision. The first car was way into the thing. I was a second car, and I was almost there, and the car just came barreling into the car in front of me, 60 miles an hour, and it was... To this day, over 40 years ago, you can do the math, but it was over. I can still see it. I can still hear the crash of the metal. I can still see the glass exploding. Uh, I got out. I, I, 
you know, I'm not trained as anything, but at least trying to find out no one was killed, praise the Lord, some injury, but it was, it was very traumatic for them. And for me, it was, it's so striking. Well, of course you wait and the police come and the, you know, thank the Lord for all the responders and, and getting there. And I waited and, uh, the police took my statement because I was, it was right in front of me that all this happened and, and some other people and, and then I was on my way, shaking, shaking, but on my way sometime later. Well, about three months later, I get a phone call saying uh, from the attorney for the people who were hit, saying uh, the people who ran the light are going to court. And so we need you to come. I was like, ah, uh, you know, like it's going to be a full day, you know, trying to, I'm a young guy trying to get off work. But I'm like, this, they said, if, if you don't come and tell what you've seen, then this, we don't know how this is going to go. It's like, all right, got to do it. You know, just got to do it. So get there, go through the whole court thing. And their argument, the people who ran the light, their argument was it was um, really wet. And I, I didn't, if I'd slowed down, put on my brakes, screeched it, you know, it would have been dangerous. I needed to go because of the weather conditions. Well, all that, I, I stood up at the very end. It was, it was, you know, long arguments on both sides and all that. And the judge just said, just tell me what you saw, son. You know, this back, back when they could call you son. The judge was, you know, like my great grandfather's age, just tell me what you saw, son. And, um, so I just very simply in about two minutes just said, you know, just, I just told him exactly what I'd heard and seen and, and experienced. And he said, That'll do, pig. No, no, he, he just said, that's, thank you. That's good. Asked me one question, clarifying question. Do you think they could have slowed down? And I said, I, I, I think so. And he said, okay, it's over. I said, we only have one eyewitness testimony here that wasn't involved, that's impartial in this, that has, and, uh, so here it is, and, and it ruled against the people and whatever. Um, the Gospel of John, I mean the Gospel, the letters of John come at a time in John's life when he's an older man, probably in his 60s when this was written, they think, 70s maybe, toward the end of his life. He had moved from, in, in, in about AD 70, Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jews scattered. And they went all over the region and he ended up up near Ephesus in what we call Turkey, in that they called Asia Minor. And he ends up planting some churches up there. And there's little groups of churches all around Ephesus that he's ministering to before he's exiled in a few years to an island right next to Ephesus called Patmos. And what had happened was some they had trained people and they they John and others had ministered and now people were going out from his church and proclaiming a different Jesus, one that was mixed in with the philosophy of the day, and we'll get all into that. John doesn't really talk about that until the middle of the second chapter. What he says today is this. You can hear his his plea and his cry as he opens this letter. No introduction. No, this is John and I write this. No welcome greeting to those. Just that's Paul and Peter. John launches in, very similar to his gospel, 
That which was from the beginning, in the beginning, was the Word, says the Gospel of John. Genesis says, in the beginning, God created. First John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands concerning the Word, the Word of life. John touched Jesus. John heard Him. And John knows that he and those apostles who did that were at the very end. And he is having to say to people who are tempted by clever gifts and probably good speakers and had good arguments for their reasoning, he said, there's nothing like an eyewitness. I saw it. I touched him. You're saying things that aren't true. How do I know? I was there. This becomes the basis. Now, John, we're going to see this return again and again and again, where he's going to say, if you had to give, there's not a theme, one theme to John, but over and over again, 33 times in this gospel, he says, know this. You've got to know this. It's kind of like if we would say in in Spanish, uh, in certain countries, they say, mira, mira. Say, look, 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 like you want their attention. See this, see this. Hear me on, we might say in English, hear me on this. Hear me. Like, I know I was there. So he says that over and over again. Know this. And John says this, the quality of life, and this is going to echo to the Gospel of John that we talked about for seven weeks. The quality of life that you're going to experience on earth is going to be in direct proportion to your willingness to trust the eyewitnesses and to know and believe in this true God. The quality of life you experience on earth is going to be dependent on your belief that these witnesses were telling the truth. We said this every week for the last seven weeks, going back to John twenty thirty. This is this echo. It says, John in the gospel says, I wrote these things so you may believe Jesus is the Christ, and my believing in that, you may have life in him. In John, at the very end of the gospel, this is the prologue. It's one through four. And then there's a little summary at the end, but the rest is is John's trying his thoughts to us and to these churches who were being led astray. At the very end, he says uh, in verse 14, and this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the requests we have made known in him. And he prefaces that in verse 13 by saying, I'm writing these things so that you who believe in the Son of God, that you may know that you'll have life, eternal life. So again, these these very similar themes in here. So 
The question, this is, this is going to be a very brief introduction before we launch in. We're going to go kind of paragraph by paragraph because if you get beyond that, they don't really tie together. It's not lily pad. So we're going to look at some big themes. The two big themes are this. God is light and God is love. That's it. God is light and God is love. And in that, you're going to have life. So for us, I just want, I, I'm just going to have two kind of applications, two things for us to think about. I talked about my eyewitness account, my only time testifying in court in that way. I, I also have a sort of different eyewitness that is, is even sort of more like this because I haven't touched Jesus or seen Jesus. I'm having to believe someone who did. There's that faith leap. One of my precious gifts I have is from my dad, who passed away a few years ago at 95, and he left, my sister, God bless her, had him write down memories from whatever he could remember, and she transcribed them. I hope many of you have that from your parents or grandparents. It's a great gift. Um, So I have a a lot of things. I'm just going to read you one thing. This is from 1929. Okay. It was the Depression, it's my dad's words, and we at our school had an incredibly outstanding faculty because there were so many excellent people who couldn't get jobs with doctorates and PhDs. They were looking for jobs, so they were willing to teach at my elementary school. Our principal, however, was an ex-boxer, and he had no teeth. He was incredibly tough, and in his uh, office, he kept a paddle. Those were the days you could keep a paddle in your office. <laughs> he said, I only got sent down once, and then that was all I ever did. So, <laughs> you know, we're good for ill. Now, how do I know that what my dad wrote was true or whether it was a figment of his imagination I wasn't there. I trust my dad. I knew him to be a man who told the truth. And the eyewitness, the, the, the gift of scripture, and this is why the, you know, on a, on a, in our day, and this has been true for centuries, by the way, not just in our day, but it's fine to say I believe in God, right? Don't get more narrow than that, or you begin to run into trouble. You you can in certain circles. But whether this is true or not, and at what level it's true and how it's true becomes the pivotal point, because if the eyewitnesses accounts, you can say, well, the, the people just made that up centuries later or whatever. So there is a, there is a, a struggle for the veracity of the word. And it's a true struggle, and every Christian should delve into it. Please don't just say, well, Tim says it's true, so it must be. you got to do more. You, you, you need, because if you're going to base your life on this, if, if I was going to do something with this, my father's testimony, simple as it is, and there are many, many pages, I, I want to base it on something. I want to base my life on something that's true. John's word is not the only thing, however, he says. He starts it this morning saying, what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've touched, I'm proclaiming to you. But we're going to see in this gospel two other things. 
He says, you're going to have an internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. It's going to confirm for you what I'm saying, that if you enter into the truth, your life is going to change. And that's the second part. There's an external testimony of a changed life. So I tell you the two things. If there's nothing within you that resonates, if you sense there's not the Holy Spirit, there's no confirmation. And this is tricky because you get into the human feeling aspect. But the Holy Spirit should live within us in a way that makes this real to us. We can't pretend and play games with this, right? The, we, you know, we've had, we have a vacuum cleaner that doesn't work and I occasionally plug it in to make sure it's still not working. <laughs> I don't know why I keep it, but I'm hoping that it's just a like, one of those cords that if I wiggle it, one day it's going to work again. I don't know why I do that. It says something about me. You can counsel me later. But I keep plugging it in. Here's the problem with this is that for some people, Christianity is like a non-working vacuum cleaner. They plug it in and they go through the motions. Maybe it's attending church or reading a Bible or whatever, which are all good disciplines, but only if you're connected to the power source. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that matters, you'll walk away at your first opportunity because this is not a religion. This is a relationship. And so people pretend and they plug in to their religion and nothing actually happens, but they actually vacuum the floor with a non-working. They, they, and, and the trouble is that often those are the people, people look at them and say, well, Christians are no different than non-Christians. We are the same in terms of our need for God, but the second thing that, that first John says is there should be external testimony. If your life is not changing and, and John will strike the balance between we will struggle with sin our entire life. I've never met anyone as I know some really godly people, a couple in this room, not me, but uh, I know a couple of, of, of really God. And you know what? They tell me how much they struggle with various sins. You will struggle. But if you're not changing, if if my struggles are exactly the same as 50 years ago and there's no progress, I ought to question, is this is this helping? I should be maturing in my faith. I should be walking in the way. And John says, that's the measure. Are you habitually sinning in a way? Then you we need to go back to the beginning and say, maybe you're not plugged into power that's on. Maybe you need to go to the fuse box and say, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. I surrender to you. Don't try to walk as a Christian without having done that. Will it be a struggle after that? Absolutely. But you will find internal testimony that God is there and external testimony that slowly but surely it's a long walk in the same direction. You'll make progress. Might be slow. But you walk a mile a day, and eventually you get to the West Coast. You have to camp some along the way, but you'll get there. Walks, he says, let's, let's go on this walk together. Last thing I want to say as we close is this. He uses this phrase, if you got your Bible open again, this is all prologue and introduction to what we'll be getting into over the next number of weeks in First John, Second John, and Third John. Chapter, verse 3, chapter 1. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Okay. 
Fellowship's a funny word, right? We would say, go have fellowship around the coffee pot, right? Afterward, it's kind of like fellowship in our day can be chatting, right? Uh, let's, we're going to have some fellowship. Go for the progressive dinner and you'll have some fellowship. You may, but you may not. Fellowship is a very specific word, koinonia. Many of you have been around church things will know that word. Koinonia is the Greek transliteration of, of the word. And he says, I want indeed, if you listen and believe this proclamation, you're going to have fellowship with us, but it's not just with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing things so that our joy, or some translations say your joy, early manuscripts have both words, let's just say y'all's joy, ours and yours, everybody's joy is full. So I just want to close with this thought on this word fellowship. Think, Don't think fellowship talking at a small group. Just Let's just, here's fellowship. You go into partnership with somebody and each of you put up all that you own to open up a business. Fellowship is an invested part. When we use that word, the koinonia word, in first time used in Acts 2.44 when it says all the people came together and had fellowship, but it says specifically after that, they sold things that they had and they brought the money so they could help other people. That assets that they brought is the root word koinonia. Interesting, isn't it? It's nothing to do with sharing our our prayer requests, which is a good thing to do and is part of a a good relationship is being honest. But we're all, if, if fellowship means we're all in and we partner for something important, you should have fellowship with your family, your partnering to do whatever, you should be all in with that. I think, I'll just, this is just me, I think that with the epidemic of loneliness that we have in our nation and in our world, yes, the pandemic may have exacerbated it, but I think it's a lack of koinonia. And it's not because they're not coming to church. You're listening to me, and that's great, but throwing your lot in with people who believe as as we do and supporting one another and committing to one another so that you know somebody's underneath you, somebody's got your back. If if I needed something, a car, if I needed physical resources, if I needed whatever, if I, if I need to be honestly share my sin, I somebody's got me. That's the beginning of Koinonia. And Paul's going to say, this is why Jesus came This is why this man came, so that we could have fellowship with God through his son and then through one another. So we'll go on this journey together over a few weeks and see how we can know this, how we can believe what God said. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way it speaks to us. I thank you for those eyewitnesses who were willing to proclaim what they had touched and seen and heard. Lord, I pray for those of us who are maybe in the second half of life that we would take seriously proclaiming what we've touched and seen and heard and know to our children and our grandchildren and others, and that everyone 
would boldly proclaim what they know to be true. Lord, let us take the example from John and other faithful apostles and witnesses to pass along what we have come to hear and then to have confirmed by the Holy Spirit and by the external testimony of changed lives because knowing you changes everything in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me and we'll close in worship.